Welcome into the Sooner Wrap-Up Show, DNR Report through 107.7 The Franchise, Dave Myrick, Reeves Mitchell. Reeves, uh, an interesting day in the mountains yesterday for Oklahoma. Uh, sloppy comes to mind. A lot of people were asking, hey, what's going on with this defense? Uh, saw some things we have not seen all season. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for him. I will say that uh, Keaton Slovis was the projected starter, and I think we saw a team that had prepared for one style of quarterback get another one and did not adjust very well to it, Reeves. I thought that uh, Retzloff did a very good job on those zone reads as far as his reads, ball handling, kind of keeping eyes in the backfield, off balance for Oklahoma's defense. I'd opened up some stuff inside with their zone run game and gassed Oklahoma. And uh, you combine Dylan Gabriel going out at half with a concussion, throwing a true freshman into the fire. Boy, a tie game and your last Big 12 conference game ever on the road. Uh, they're able to overcome all that. And a continuing theme we've heard all season, that's a game that if played last year, they probably lose. So probably reasons to feel optimistic this morning if you're an Oklahoma fan. Yeah, I would feel optimistic as an Oklahoma fan for sure. I mean, they shot themselves in the foot in that game a couple times, which I, I got scared thinking it was going to come back to bite them, similar to some other games. But uh Riding the ship in that second half, I mean, you got to give it up to the team for hanging in there. And, man, there's a lot of plays in that game. If they go BYU's way, we might be talking about a different outcome this morning. I think back to BYU nearly scoring at the goal line, but then Billy Bowman steps in front of the pass for a 100-yard pick six. I mean, that game totally, it totally flipped the momentum of everything BYU had been building on that drive. Play the game, no doubt. Yeah, play the game. Tremendous play by Billy Bowman to step in front of that little hip trout, take it the distance. Man, Dave, he almost ran out of gas at the end of that <laughs> run. He was able to slide into the end zone, give Oklahoma that seven-point lead. And, I mean, obviously we knew how key of a play that was when it happened, but it feels like even more of a key play when you – see how the game eventually played out in that fourth quarter. I mean, the offense was not coming easy for Oklahoma. Really, all they could do in that second half was run it with Gavin Sawchuck. So you, you think, I mean, if BYU is able to punch it in there, Dave, I mean, we we really might be talking about a different score, you know, this morning wrapping up the show. Reeves, no doubt. In fact, I tweeted after the game yesterday, Billy Bowman with maybe the play of the season in terms of keeping 10 wins alive because you're exactly right. Uh, they score there to go up seven midway through the third on the road, all the momentum with absolutely nothing working for Oklahoma offensively. That's a steep hill to climb for a true freshman quarterback. And uh, not only did you know Bowman get the pick and the return, the play before, he's the one that tackled the guy at the, at the three or four to stop a touchdown. So just a fantastic game. Uh, most valuable player, hands down, for Oklahoma yesterday, Billy Bowman. He's been that way for about a month. Very important guy on the back end. Uh, offensively, you jump over, I thought, Gavin Sawchuk. We've said it now for a couple weeks in a row, is starting to resemble the guy that we saw in the Cheez-It Bowl. Very elusive, very fast, but patient, man. He's starting to get that, that rhythm back. You know, he gets the ball, and he's, he's allowing those blocks to set themselves up, we saw early on, before he kind of got back into rhythm, just taking it and running to the line. And oftentimes, running into the ass of an offensive lineman didn't look very good. 
now he's starting to get that feel back, and boy, Oklahoma is, uh, they're benefiting from it. Yeah, I really think he's starting to cement himself as RB1 on this Sooners team, and it's funny, because in the preseason, I mean, I know we've we beat this drum all season long, but <laughs> man, we, we slated him in that RB1 spot going in, him and him or Javante Barnes, especially with what we saw versus Florida State in that bowl game. But it's been a rocky season for Gavin Sawchuk, you know, up until the last three games. He really, like you said, could not find his rhythm. Just didn't seem like he had the same explosiveness that we saw in that bowl game and a few games, you know, beforehand in last season's affairs, but... Yeah, I mean, I think he's found it these last couple of weeks. Seems like the offensive line's run blocking has really figured something out. Mm-hmm. I would say, really starting with those last two losses, I mean, if you think back to the Kansas game, they ran it pretty well in that game with Tawi Walker, and then you go to the OSU game, which they lost also. You know, Sawchuk found some big holes in that game. The 65-yard touchdown run sticks out to me. So, really, it's been the second half of the year. Oklahoma's really starting to figure out this run game. You wish he had it in that first half of the season. I know they started six and zero, but man, if you could have, you know, started to get that momentum in the run game going earlier in the season, I think this OU offense would have voted would have voted better against you know some tougher defenses. But I guess better late than never on this run game because they are really starting to figure it out. It was disappointing for the team that you know the cards didn't really fall in line with other Big Twelve teams losing yesterday, but. Still, you know, a courageous win down there in Provo. Backs against the wall. I know they were 25-point favorites, but Dave, I mean, one-score games have not fared well for Brent Minable so far in his tenure. So getting a one-score win like that, you know, you can never take that for granted, really. No, man. Winning is hard. Uh, the line between winning and losing is 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 so close. People just don't get it. And we had Benjamin Criddle on this week. You know, he covers the Cougars for uh, ESPN. And I told him off the air, I thought, this 25-point spread is ridiculous. I'm not buying it. You go back through the history. BYU, for whatever reason, has played Oklahoma to the nail when these two teams play. I mean, there is there's something there. I mean, you, you go back like Notre Dame, Miami. Some teams just play others hard. It doesn't matter the circumstances around that. And I thought Oklahoma would get BYU's best shot. Did I think it would come down to needing to convert a third to win it, you know, in the fourth? No, I did not. But uh, that's what happened, Reeves. And, and look, that's the theme going back to last year. The, this game this year, that team last year loses. So when if you want to look at progress, you can say they're making it. Now we got to talk about the negatives. Venable said in the postgame, yeah, there's a lot to clean up and get better at. Well, yeah, the bad news is you've only got one regular season game left. So, I mean, it's that window is closing pretty fast. And we, we still see some recurring habits creeping back in from last year's squad. Uh, third down defense, a lack of pass rush. Man, that defensive end group for now two years in a row, getting production from that group has been challenging. Uh, w- without bringing pressure, Oklahoma is really struggling to get to the quarterback, and you you throw on a mobile quarterback they weren't expecting to play, they didn't adjust well to that. Uh, Some of the option game, you know, BYU was able to to get the edge pretty easy, sloppy play on defense, jumping out of their gaps on the zone schemes, allowing those gash runs inside. Not a good day for Oklahoma's defense, and Reeves, without a couple turnovers, I mean, it probably goes the other direction. 
Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I will say they made the key plays when they counted. I mean, the pick six was a as clutch of a play as it gets. But if you look at the game as a whole, it was not a very good day for that OU defense. Specifically the run defense, which I've harped on all year that I think it's the strongest part of this unit. I mean, you know, you look back to some bigger opponents. Uh, Kansas was able to gash them a little bit. Texas, with Jonathan Brooks before he was hurt, was able to gash them a little bit. But, man, there's a big difference from the run defense from last year to this year, especially, you know, taking this full year into account. I think that unit has improved a lot. But, Dave, on Saturday, BYU found something with that, uh, whatever you want to call it, read options, zone scheme. I don't know specifically what you call it, but really, I mean, the quarterback was giving it, you know, to the dive to the running back most of the time. And it seems like OU was just their gap. Their gap discipline was off a little bit, and there was a hole there, you know, on most of those zone read option type plays. So, I think the point you made earlier is true that when you prepare for one quarterback, you know, and you get a completely other play style out of the next quarterback that they end up starting in the game, it does throw your defense's psyche off a little bit. I mean, Dave, we know how Keaton Slovis plays. He's not a read option quarterback. He's a drop back and throw it type guy, you know, pocket passer is what I would call him. So when you, you know, switch it to Retzloff right before the game and BYU definitely did that on purpose, you know, their Monday morning press conference saying Keaton's ready to play, he's going to be the starter. You know, they want to do anything to throw OU off just a little bit to gain some kind of advantage. No question. Because, Dave, let's be honest, the Jimmys and Joes, when you stack them up, OU wins at every position. But every little advantage they can make before the game, you know, they're going to take it and credit to them. They throw out a quarterback who's a very good runner and makes very good reads. And he did that on Saturday, so it definitely gashed OU to a certain extent. And the other thing I will say to defend the defensive line on the pass rush, and I agree with you, it has not been good this year. I mean, the Texas game really is the only game they got consistent pressure on the quarterback. I will say BYU didn't do a whole lot of traditional just drop back and throw it. A lot of their scheme was, one, the zone read, but when they were throwing it, you know, it was RPO-based plays, little quick hitch routes, and – I got to give it up to number zero for BYU Epps. He's a really good player. In baller. Slot. Man, he's a baller. I mean, he made OU miss just about every time he touched the ball. So BYU definitely found some, you know, some soft spots in that OU defense that they're able to capitalize on. And, you know, the bend don't break mentality is good until, you know, if BYU had had the ball, tie game in that fourth quarter I I don't know if I would have liked OU's chances because really they were able to turn out five six yards consistently in that game just about every play so kind of an effect of the bounces went Oklahoma's way this game to a certain extent and I'm not going to say they got lucky but man they did get some breaks in that game to where you're saying this could have been a completely different game if certain things didn't go OU's way yeah, no doubt about it, Reeves. And to your point about the RPO pass style that, that BYU implemented, I think the times that we saw Retzloff really have time in the pocket were on a few critical third and longs. And Oklahoma was generating some pressure up inside with Lalu. He, he was getting some good rush. Trace Ford off the edge got, got some good rush. But man, those third and longs, it seems like Retzloff had all day back there, and that's a really bad time to lose your pass rush. So, yeah, you, you, you I, I know, just want to jump in. 
I just want to jump in for a second. The man, those third and longs, it just feels like you got to send some pressure on plays like those. I know we were both watching the uh, the Missouri Florida game. Oh, man, on God. the fourth and seventeen, Florida puts six DBs back. You know, basically hail mary defense, and don't and, even cover the best wide receiver uh, in the SEC. I mean, first of all. If I have a fourth and 17 with Mizzou on the line, I'm putting two guys on Luther Burden and saying someone else beat me. But second of all, man, I mean, just too much soft defense in that interior giving up just a crosser over the middle that was wide open for a conversion. But, I mean, that's just another example of, dude, these, these third and fourth long down plays, it really feels like pressure is the best avenue in that. And I know you're – leaving your corners and your safeties in one-on-ones, which is risky. But, man, when you're able to give a college quarterback all that time to throw, your secondary just cannot cover for that long. And if your defensive line isn't going to get the appropriate pass rush, you know, rushing only three or four, I I think blessing in a situation like that is the play. But, obviously, for Emitables, Ted Roof, they know better than I do. But you're right. I mean, some concerning long third downs given up in that game, which – that, that was a negative of this defense last year, giving up way too many third and fourth down conversions. So bad habits starting to creep back in. You know, we'll see if they can figure it out versus TCU. But I think as a whole, Brent Minables has this defense moving in the right direction. But they've, they've got to clean up some specific parts of that defense. Yeah, man, and to your point, I get the bringing pressure thing. Uh, you should pressure a quarterback on third and long. The great thing to have is defensive ends where you don't have to bring pressure, Reeves, where you can get pressure with your four down. Then you can keep guys in coverage. The elite defenses, that's what they have. And this is now a two-season-long problem of not a lot of production out of Oklahoma's defense. I mean, I'm, I can't sugarcoat it. i got to call it like it is. They are not producing. The defensive ends at Oklahoma are not producing pressure at critical times. And... Yeah, they finally blitz Stutzman. You know, they, they bring McKenzie across the face and bring Stutzman on the backside for a great blitz. He forces a fumble, but the, my point is having to do that, having to bring extra guys, if you have, you know, production on your, your front four, you don't need to do that, and that helps out of defense so much. It's incredible to me Oklahoma leads the country with interceptions with a lack of a pass rush. I mean, that speaks yeah. to just how good the secondary has been, man, but – I, I get your point. You know, you, you want to heat up the passer when when you know it's coming. But, man, the Georgias and Ohio States and Alabamas of the world don't have to bring extra guys. They can get it with the front four. Oklahoma is lacking that right now. Yeah, they are lacking it for sure. And, I mean, that that is crazy, you leading the nation in interceptions without a pass rush. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, most of the time your linebackers, your secondary, they're so much – their success is – so much dictated off of the defensive line because mm-hmm. I mean, when that D line is getting consistent pressure, it forces the quarterback to make quick decisions. Usually, forces the quarterback into mistakes and turnovers. So yeah, usually that defensive line and the secondary are playing hand in hand. With OU, I mean, the run defense has been solid, but on those drop back passes where you know they're long developing plays. Too many times the quarterback standing back there with a clean pocket, and mm-hmm. credit to OU secondary, they're making plays. But that that that's not a healthy habit, I would say. You know, you've got to find some kind of pass rush, especially going into the SEC next year, where 
you're going to face an elite quarterback just about every week. And when you don't get consistent pressure on those elite quarterbacks, we see what happens. You know, they're going to light up the scoreboard. So I, I would think OU is going to hit the portal hard. I know they have some big guys on the defensive line coming in, but I'd be shocked if they don't go after a pass rusher or two in that portal because that's been the Achilles heel of this defense this season. It really has, Reeves. And you look at the bodies they've got with R. Mason Thomas and Atabore and and Ford and Bothroyd and Downs and Grimes earlier. Man, that's that's a lot of length, a lot of talent, a lot of speed, a lot of top 200 national guys. I find it hard to believe that every single one of them are busts. Uh, and I don't want to di- call PJ a bust. Yeah, yeah, not not gonna not gonna stand on that hill yet. I don't want to discredit the defensive ends as a whole because, to your point. Playing run defense, they've been outstanding this year. Uh, guys are setting the edge properly. They're, they're staying at home on those throwback screens. They're very well coached in a lot of areas. But for whatever reason, for two seasons in a row, to get, to get a consistent pass rush out of that group has been challenging. And no doubt that, that'll be something they look to uh, try to fix as they jump to the toughest league in the country next year. But you know, getting back to the positives, I, I think you referenced Gavin Sawchuk, you know, finally finding his footing and looking like the guy, or I guess we both did. Reeves, I think what we have to point to, man, is the same offensive line group is playing together as well. It, I, that's not a coincidence that this started happening when they left that line alone. They are gelling at, at the same time he's starting to find his rhythm. Those two, you, you bring up, you know, a defensive backfield and defensive line being married a running back and an offensive line is too. And I, I think we're seeing the fruits of finally leaving that group as is. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a coincidence. OU's best run production, you know, has come the last few weeks and it's come when they've stuck with consistent five guys with that O-line. I mean, you're, you're the one that was harping on that early in the season. You hated all of the substitutions, all of the switches. Yes. Game. <laughs> yes. And it was happening frequently. I mean, you think back to that SMU game even really early on. I remember Savion Bird completely missing a block one play, gets Dylan Gabriel sacked, and he's immediately yanked. And we're saying, I mean, leave him in. You know, he's going to make mistakes. you got to let him learn, let him grow. So I agree that keeping the same offensive line, it's really helped the running backs improve, especially Sawchuck. He seems so much more natural these last few weeks. Mm-hmm. His vision is improving. I mean, it just seems like there's more holes for him, if we're being honest. So I think this is a lesson that Brent Medibles has learned throughout the season. I think going into next year, he's going to want to have that offensive line solidified by the first game. And now, will there still be changes made? Will there be injuries that happen? Sure, that's just football for you. But you really want to know, you know, you have a cohesive five guys, a solid unit going into the year saying, these are my ride or die guys. These are the guys I want to stick with. And maybe I have two guys behind, you know, that are on the bench that I'm confident in. They can come in and give kind of some of the same production. But, man, I think it really speaks to just having those same five guys. Dave, these elite teams, the Bama, the Georgias, the Ohio States, it's the same five all year. Mm Mm-hmm. When they're putting in a new guy, it's a five-star off the bench. So the drop-off, man, I mean, you cannot just be flirting with subbing in three different guys and, you know, not knowing. Because so much of an offensive line is how they gel and how they communicate. And, you know, they get used to playing 
you know, next to certain guys. I know Matire, McCade Matire was talking about it at practice last week, but just say, talking about playing next to Jacob Sexton, he, he just knows he can count on him. And even though the first game Jacob Sexton started, you know, McCade said, I'm, I'm telling him some of the plays, I'm telling him where to go on a, a few of the plays, but he said, to be honest with you, I really didn't need to be out there for him. You know, he's so naturally gifted that he can figure it out on his own. So I just want to see this offensive line continue to gel. I, I'm not up to date on who's returning next year on that offensive line, but, man, if they can get some starters back and maybe some key transfers and really get them to gel in the offseason, I think the running game will be much better to start the season next year if you're able to do that. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I know that they lose Guyton, Matower, and the rest, I, I think. Uh, Rouse, you know, he was a senior transfer, but – They'll have some bodies to work with, you know, that, that they've experimented with all season. But, man, the rotations across the board for the entire team. I, I think Brent's philosophy is to get the entire team ready to go, that you can count on guys whenever needed. That doesn't always translate. I mean, we saw a critical third down yesterday. Josiah Wagner is in the game covering the guy, and he gives up the completion. Nothing against Wagner. He just hasn't played this year. And even Lehman on the national broadcast, you know, is saying, I, I don't really understand that. But some of the rotate, I just, you know, I think Brent really wants to appease his players and reward their practices and their, their hard work. But, man, there comes a point when you're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face if you just don't roll with your best 11. But, hey, the guy's getting paid millions of bucks to do it. He knows better than I do. But, the rotations this year at a lot of spots have been puzzling. Running back, you know, dating back to the, the first game to now is still, I mean, when Walker's in, he's, he looks really, really, really good. And you have to wonder where has he been. But that one is going to stick with us. Javante Barnes, as you and I have talked off air, we think he probably transfers. In fact, that's a no-doubter. Uh, so, yeah, they'll, they'll have some pieces to replace next year on the line and running backs. But they've got Smothers coming back. And uh, freshman to, to go with Sawchuck, we have to assume Walker is probably gone. Uh, you look across at wide receiver, they lose Drake Stoops. Uh, should get pretty much Nick Anderson, Gibson. Farouk would return, right? Yeah, I think Farouk's back. I was thinking about Andrew Anthony. I think he's over the limit to apply for his uh, hardship waiver. So that's a bummer. But Yeah, that's a huge bummer. But, yeah, man, they're going to have some things to play with next year. Jackson Arnold definitely will on offense. But defense, got to get better at defensive end, at least at getting after the, the passer. And I, I think we talked during the show last week, I think that's really where Deshaun McCullough could make hay if they would move him down to defensive end. He's, in my opinion, a pass-rushing specialist. Five sacks in the Big Ten as a true freshman. Uh, there are ample bodies to try at Cheetah. Jaron Kanick jumps out, McKenzie, Lewis, uh, Harrington's back next year. So a lot of guys you could look at to put McCullough opposite Atabore and have a lethal threat off the edge to go with David Stone on the interior next year. But, again, these coaches know better than we do. Yeah, bouncing back to the receiver room just for a second, um, Jaden Gibson's a guy I do not want to see transfer and they need to make sure he sticks around. Dude, I, I, I've seen the potential in him ever since he became a Sooner. And, you know, he's had his low moments. He's had some key drops. He's had some mishaps. But he's a really good kid. I mean, we've talked to him all season long. He's one of the guys that has their head screwed on straight. Yeah, I mean, he 
he is for the team, no doubt. He takes pride in seeing other guys succeed. So he's a guy I want them to see. I, I want to see stick around. I mean, man, he's a tall receiver. That touchdown catch he made versus BYU, the toe tap. Yes. I know he only got one foot in, but, man, that reminded me of an NFL play in the back you know, part of the end zone. Well, he, he looks like an NFL wide receiver, dude. He just he does. does. Man. He really does. I mean, I think he runs good routes. I think he's a really good deep threat because he can go up and high point that ball with his 6'5 height and those long arms. Got that floor I mean, to speed, too, man. Yeah, he's a fast guy. He's just a mismatch nightmare, especially if you have an undersized corner out there, which you see a lot now in college football. So he's a guy I really want to see stick around. And, uh, I would expect them to hit the portal hard for the skill position needs. I mean, I would guess they're going to they're gonna hit the portal for some receivers. Losing Stoops is very key. If Anthony can't come back, that's key as well. So you're going to have to fill out that room to a certain extent. But I never really worry about OU with skill position players. I mean, they always seem to figure it out to a certain extent. Yeah, they'll be so fine. If there was one more big-name receiver on this team, sure. Don't forget about Petaway, man. He's He's back next year. Yeah, you've got some young guys that really could step up. I mean, Anderson, we forget he's only a freshman, man. I know. He can turn into that stud receiver we're all expecting. So, a lot yet, yet to be answered. I mean, and I hate to knock on the kid because he, from everything I've heard, he's an upstanding, great teammate, leader on this team. But I just will say, I think this offense will only get better when Austin Stogner moves on. <laughs> well... <laughs> that, I'm just going to say it. You said it. Well, they've, they've got the best tight end in the country uh, inked for next year coming in out of high school. I, I think he'll step right into the starting role. So, yeah, they'll, they'll move right along on offense. I'm not worried about that side of the ball. I just I keep going back to defensive ends and how pivotal getting pressure on SEC quarterbacks is going to be. People have no idea, man. If you give SEC quarterbacks time, they will eat you alive. And right now, Oklahoma, without bringing the blitz – can't do it. Yeah, and you'd figure next year you need to have a strong defense. I mean, if you ever want to compete in the SEC, obviously you've got to have a strong de- defense in the first place. But, I mean, Dave, it'll be Jackson Arnold's first go-around next year. And I know he's had a few snaps here and there this year. want to harp on him a little bit. What a great audible he had on third and seven to uh, hit Farouk on that slant for the game clincher. I mean, he, he, he played above his years on that one. That, that was a veteran quarterback move. That's something you expect DG, a DG play to make. You know, a six-year senior audibling to that play. But what a play by Arnold. But, I mean, going into next year, Dave, he his eyes are still going to be bright and wide. You know, he's stepping into the toughest conference in the country, and he doesn't have a lot of experience behind him. So you got to expect some growing pains to a certain extent. Do I expect him to be everything the writers have written him up to be? For sure. I think he's a phenomenal talent. Man, he can throw it well. He's an underrated runner, I think. I think Jeff Levy's going to use his legs next year more than people anticipate. But getting back to the defense, you've got to have a solid defense. You've got to have some kind of pass rush next year to really limit those SEC offenses. Because, Dave, there's going to be some growing pains with Jackson Arnold. There just is. I'm sorry. It's not going to be a perfect go-around for the freshman quarterback next year. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to have to grow up in some certain games. I expect him to really play well, but still, we both know. There's going to be some low moments, so you need a defense similar to how the defense has been this year to where they're going to pick you up when you have some shortcomings. And 
It starts with the portal, man. I really think you got to attack the portal hard, specifically on the defensive line. They did it this year with Deshaun Terry, which I really liked that pickup. He's been solid up the middle all year. But, I, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to think Brent isn't seeing this lack of pass rush and saying, man, I want to find a guy that had 10 sacks last year and get him to come here via the portal. Yeah, and I mean, my issue is this is a two-year ongoing thing. I, they weren't good getting after the passer last year either. And they, they've got a lot of, I go back again, a lot of bodies, a lot of size, a lot of speed, a lot of talent. So they said out of high school, I can't imagine every single one of those guys was a bust as it, as it goes to rushing the quarterback. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that develops. I still say move McCullough down there to defensive end, put 10 more pounds on the guy and turn him loose. But again, for the third time, they know better than I do, but... No doubt, though, they've got some needs to look at. And, you know, jumping back to Jackson Arnold, I think that the experience he got yesterday, it's going to go overlooked. But I cannot tell you how valuable that is, especially given the circumstance. This wasn't mop-up duty. It wasn't at home, you know, on the tail end of a 55-10 blowout. This was the last conference game ever for Oklahoma on the road in a tie game. A very hostile environment against a team you have not fared well in the past. And to come in under those circumstances, even with the defense behind you that's getting gashed, man, that, that adds more pressure to you to do some stuff, makes the throws that he has to make. And you mentioned the audible that sealed the game. Yeah, great audible. I also love the coaching that, hey, you've you got the option. You get out there and you see a certain look, go to it. Switch to it. He was prepared. He knew what to do. So did Farouk. He makes the catch to ice it. Hopefully he's okay. But, you know, there's going to be so many questions heading into the SEC, Reeves. We're going to be here for all of it. And uh, Jackson Arnold's going to be first and foremost uh, at the front of those questions. I think the experience he's gotten with a full year coming up to run with the ones in practice, knowing he's the guy, plus playing the most elite level of high school football one can in the state of Texas, is going to very well prepare him for what he's, he's got coming, and that's an SEC schedule. But the entire team, top to bottom, needs to get better, man. There's... We're, what, 11 games in? We're still seeing pre-snap penalties, false starts. There weren't any turnovers yesterday. That that was a very good positive. They're, if they are, they probably lose. But uh, still so much to clean up and get better. And, and I think we see now with Lincoln Riley and what he's not doing at USC, his regression at Oklahoma every single year until, until he left was real. It wasn't just on paper, and he did not leave it in good shape. It's taken a while for the staff to get it where they want it. Are we about to dive into that game? <laughs> <laughs> wow, an ass stomping, Reeves. I mean, the, the one thing I've noticed with USC's offense over the course of this year, just really quickly on this, their ball security is terrible. And I'm not going to blame that on Lincoln Riley. I mean, I don't know who to blame that on. But it's receivers and running backs. Mm -hmm. They crucial fumbles yesterday if you rewatch that game. I mean, little hitch routes to USC receivers, and the U and the UCLA defenders are just stripping the ball from them. But I mean, if you watch U UCLA's game plan on defense yesterday, it was hardcore. Let's strip the ball. Let's go for the ball on every ball carrier. And man, I love it. It, it won them the game yesterday. Uh, a big play in that game, also. USC had barely ran for anything yesterday, and they finally get their biggest run of the game, ten yards or so. The U.S. the South Carolina transfer Marshawn Lloyd made a nice cutback, and then perfect play by the UCLA defender. You know, head helmet on the ball, strips it out. UCLA goes in for six, scoop and score. 
totally flips the game. It's just a weird vibe around that team. We know the defense isn't good, so I'm not even going to get into that. But a weird vibe around Caleb Williams on offense this year. Oh, no. The skill players, it seems like there's a disconnect between them, Riley, and Caleb Williams. Just weird vibes all around there. I mean, lack of effort blocking from those receivers, lack of discipline holding on to the ball. I mean, they, they look like they don't care. No, it looks – you're totally right. It looks like a lack of effort. It looks like a lack of even care to be out there. I mean, let's let's go back to where they were to start, Reeves. Number six in the country, returning Heisman Trophy winner. There were talk of playoffs. And now they're, you know, just fighting for to, to get in a, in a bowl. It's incredible the collapse we've seen in Los Angeles. But I think that points to, again – Maybe not the coach we all thought he was, and the way he left Oklahoma might might be a good thing for for both. You know that, that he's gone, but uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on Lincoln as he no doubt will jump to the NFL without telling a soul. But uh, that's going to do it for this quick wrap up show. Sooner wrap up show on the DNR report through 107.7 The franchise for Mister Reeves Mitchell, Dave Myrick. We'll talk to you guys down the road.